0: The Lord be with you, pillar friends. Hear these words from the book that we love, the continuing story of the incarnate Christ. Now every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they could not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers, When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but for me, this story prompts so many questions. Why didn't Mary and Joseph realize Jesus wasn't with them sooner? Was it common for a 12-year-old to be nerding out at the temple in this way? At this point, did Jesus know that he was the Messiah? How can someone who's fully God grow in wisdom and stature? And how can someone who's fully human cause amazement and wonder by these older, wiser teachers. Why did it take Mary and Joseph three entire days to find Jesus? And why didn't they look for him at the temple? Why were they confused by what he said a couple chapters before the angel directly told them who he was? I also wonder, what was Jerusalem like at that time? What would it have been like to be in Jerusalem at the festival of the Passover? I think a posture of question asking before God is a valid one and and maybe even a healthy one, especially as we continue to enter into the story of Jesus' life on earth. This posture of, of question asking is a posture of seeking to know him, seeking to understand. And perhaps you share these questions. Perhaps you carry bigger questions Maybe you're wondering who God is. Maybe you're wondering where God is in the midst of your pain. Here at Pillar, we strive to be a place where your name is known, your story is heard, and your questions are honored. I was talking to a dear friend on Christmas, and she said to me, you know, Anna, it all seems just too fantastical. I'm not sure what to make of the Christian story anymore. And this is a friend who's been running in Christian circles for her entire life and has witnessed Jesus' faithfulness in her pain. Maybe you find yourself in a similar place, wondering what the point of it all is. Maybe you know someone in that place. So as we enter into the story together, I wonder... How might the living Jesus be calling us to come to terms with our questions and be speaking to us today in the midst of our questions? How might God be inviting us to bring our questions to the surface, to come face to face with our wondering? Perhaps we'll find Jesus where we least expect him. Mary and Joseph certainly did. Christmas is proof that God is not aloof to our experience. Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of our questions. That's the Jesus we see in this story. But first, just for a little background, some of the questions we have do have answers and we know enough about first century Judaism to get a sense of what's going on here to help us understand. First, we do know that the law required an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. And from Nazareth, where Jesus and his parents lived, this was about an 80-mile journey. And we know that 12 years old was about one year before Jesus officially became an adult Israelite and accepted responsibility to, to abide by the law, be accountable to it. We also know that Jerusalem had a population of about 70 to 80,000 at the time. So, it's valid that Jesus' parents took 3 days to find him. Plus, when they realized Jesus wasn't with them, they would have had to been almost back to Nazareth at that point. But I still wonder why why didn't they look in the temple first? All these historical details are helpful, but In the end, we're left with a story that leaves us astonished. It's a story that left Mary wondering, that left Jesus' parents not understanding, that left the teachers and leaders amazed and astonished. This is a story that requires a certain posture a posture like Jesus, full of curiosity, a posture like Mary, full of wonder. And so I believe God is inviting us to examine our hearts. God is inviting us to notice Jesus' place in this story and to take on the posture that Mary has, a posture of wonder, a posture of of treasuring Christ in our hearts. First, where do we see Jesus in this story? We see Jesus himself asking questions. The one who is the answer takes on the posture of question asker. The one who is the teacher is fully absorbed in an identity of studenthood, of humble not knowing. The one who is fully God takes on, leans into normal processes of human development, sitting at the feet of teachers. A quick side note, we also see Jesus here taking on The complexities of family life, I don't know about you, but if your family is anything like mine, this past New Year's and Christmas season held some tensions, some getting on each other's nerves, some confusion, some arguments, some frustration. I'm just comforted that Jesus went through that. He knows what it's like to be a misunderstood 12-year-old. Maybe you're 12. Jesus knew, knew that and knows that. Jesus knows what it's like to be chastised by his mom. I I don't know what your translation says, but mine has exclamation points. Child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, look, we have been searching for you in great anxiety. Jesus knows what it feels like to carry the chaos of family dynamics. Back to the idea of questions. I'll offer this again. What questions are you carrying? When was the last time you were honest with yourself and honest with God enough to name in humility your questions? Jesus' own posture of question asking invites us there. He's gone courageously before into that space as our Savior. But here's the twist of it all. Luke tells us Jesus asks questions, but then in the very next sentence it says, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Wait, I thought he was asking questions. Why did he have answers? How is it that the question-asking middle schooler becomes the question-answering, amazement-evoking one? Remember a few minutes ago when I asked how someone who is fully God could grow in wisdom and stature? And I asked how someone who is fully human could cause amazement for these wise teachers? Well, here is our answer, or lack thereof. We're confronted again with the mystery of the incarnation. Except this time, instead of a tiny baby in a manger who holds the fullness of God, we're faced with a know-it-all middle schooler (laughs) who holds the fullness of God a fully human middle schooler, God with us, God with us, God with us, like us in every way apart from sin. And throughout the history of theology, people either emphasize Jesus' divinity to the point of underemphasizing his humanity or they emphasize his humanity to the point of underemphasizing his divinity and they actually both groups use this passage to do so. So, together for the sake of orthodoxy, we're going to try to thread the middle to hold the tension of both. This is the mystery of Jesus Mark on history. He's the Christ of paradox. The fully human, fully God one who stands in opposition to all our assumptions about him yet invites us to know him intimately. This Christ simultaneously poses a question to all that we know, calling it into question, shaking up our world, and he says he'll be with us on the journey. This Christ invites us into a life of suffering, but also a life of abundance. This Christ walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death and also leads us into green pastures. Christ invites us to a life of questions, but also contains within his body real, true, good answers. The triune God of grace invites us into a faith that is brimming with mystery, but overflowing with blessed assurance. And so in this story, we see the Jesus of questions and the Jesus of answers. The God who draws near in our messiness, and also the God who reigns on high and is worthy of praise. This is the God who is about his father's business of making all things new, reconciling all things to himself. This is the God who is with us in the darkness, but who calls us to places of light. The God of peace who fights our battles. The God who walks with us in the valley. This is the God of the cross and the God of the resurrection. And so in the middle of all the paradox, we see Jesus This is a story, again, of the dawn breaking from on high, this Jesus child showing us the way of peace. This is the incarnate one who is for us. This is a continuation of the advent way of peace where every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low as God's good future breaks into the present. And and this way of peace involves holding our questions with humility. It it involves being okay with thwarted expectations and, and holding the future with openness. To ask questions of this story is an act of faith, an act of paying attention. Mary did that. She treasured it all in her heart. And I'm thinking about last week when Jake called us to a posture of response, a certain response to Christ's coming. I think our response to the Christ of paradox we see in this story is is to assume a posture like Mary. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. My prayer is that as a church, as families, as individuals, we might have a posture of presence to the things of God, a posture of awareness, a posture of paying attention, a posture of noticing This is to assume a posture like Mary. To enter 2021 treasuring the things of God, treasuring the God who already treasures us. And I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe it's stepping into habits of scripture reading again, or for the first time, opening yourself up to the Spirit's work through Christ's word. Maybe it's courageously speaking of the ways that God is moving in your life, even amongst those who don't know him yet. Maybe it's committing to pressing into your questions and finding Jesus there instead of the numbing and the running from confrontation that we often find ourselves in. May Jesus, king of the world, who is worthy of all praise, God with us, be our greatest treasure in this new year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.